There's so much health advice out there, lots of different voices and opinions, but who can you trust? Trust the experts, the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them tough, intimate health questions so you get the answers you need. This is the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician. Hi, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast. My name is Kate Kaput, and I'll be your host. Today, we're talking to osteopathic medical specialist Frederick P. Wilson about neck pain and upper back pain. From working sedentary desk jobs to looking down at our phones all the time to feeling the impacts of aging, neck pain and upper back pain are unsurprisingly common. In fact, studies show that a whopping 80% of people experience back pain at some point in their lives. Dr. Wilson, who is the director of the Cleveland Clinic Solon Center for Spine Health, is here to talk to us today about different types of neck and upper back pain and how to both prevent them and manage them. Dr. Wilson, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So I'd like to start by having you tell us a little bit about your work here at Cleveland Clinic. What kind of work do you do and what kind of patients do you typically see? Well, um, I am an osteopathic physician, um, so I am also certified in osteopathic manipulation. So though I see pretty much the same kind of patients that everyone else uh, sees in the spine medical spine center, I do tend to see um, some of the patients that have um, what we would call mechanical back or neck pain, um, in the minor imbalances that can cause pain, nothing you can see on an x-ray, nothing that needs any surgery, but it's, it's pain that um, can kind of come and go and, and not be horrific and not cause any nerve pain, but just cause pain. And with manipulation, I can balance those out and, and make the pain go away. So... Yeah. But uh, I see a lot of the other kind of patients as well, um, anyone with back and neck pain. Got it. So it sounds like a kind of back and, back and neck pain that a lot of us can relate to, and it sounds like you're just the guy to talk to us today about it. So, you know, give us a bit of a general introduction to upper back and neck pain. How do time and age in particular impact those parts of our body? Um, are these some issues that come standard with aging? What amount of pain is standard with aging? Well, hopefully there isn't any increase in back and neck pain with aging, but um, one of the major issues that can develop is that um, people as they get older uh, can get weaker in their um, upper back muscles, which can lead to kind of forward bending. And um, every time we bend our head a little bit more forward, we're taking it out of balance. Normally the head sits balanced over the spine and the head is approximately 10 to 12 pounds. And so there's not too much force, but every few degrees that we lean forward, it's as if our head is heavier and heavier. And it means that the back and neck muscles are forced to do more work than they are supposed to do. So we can get strain, mechanical pain, even some of these minor imbalances that can be fixed by someone like myself. Uh, so if not aging, in terms of demographics, are there some people who are more likely to experience this type of pain than others? You know, or is it really the type of thing that can impact anyone? Well, certainly I see it a lot now with um, people who work uh, at home, especially uh, with the COVID issues. Everyone's working from home virtually. 
A lot of them have um, lap computers that they've been given by their work. And so they're not desktop computers, so they're smaller. So they're leaning forward, looking at their computer, which again, takes their head out of balance and can lead to neck strain and upper back strain. And then of course, um, I, I can always remember one day I was leaving the main campus at uh, five o'clock in the evening and all the residents were leaving as well. And every one of them had their phone out and every one of them had their head pointed down at their phone. And, you know, again, same thing. This is called tech neck, T-E-C-H, tech neck. So they can get a lot of neck strain and upper back pain as well. So yes, it's becoming more common because of all the computer work and, and phone work that we're doing. I would imagine that you kind of see patients everywhere you go. You know, you see somebody with their head down on their you phone. Like, oh, yes. Future patient, right? Oh, you'll notice them later today. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about some more causes and impacts. Uh, you know, a common cause of upper back pain and neck pain is, is arthritis. What can you tell us about how arthritis develops and how it can impact that part of the body? Like, what exactly does it mean to have arthritis in your neck or upper back? Well, uh, the joints in our neck um, are made of smooth cartilage and um, we have the discs between each vertebra in the neck and they act as cushions and they take some of the weight out of those joints. Um, but as we get older, we, leave, we lose some of the water that's in the jelly of the discs. And so that makes the discs smaller. And so as we get older, there's more and more weight that's put on these joints and they react by developing arthritis because they're, they're forced to do more work with more weight than they were when we were younger. So we do tend to see it more in the 55 plus um, group. And uh, also, um, again, as they're leaning forward um, because of the, the losing the strength in their upper back, then they are forced to kind of pull their head up this way, which puts not only strain in the muscles, but it's putting more weight on the joints as well. So there's a lot of strain that can lead to arthritis. Vibration can lead, um, can accelerate um, issues with that as well. So we, we can see it in um, people who are like trucker or bus drivers where there's a lot of vibration involved. Uh, they can develop lower back and neck um, issues as well. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, you talked a little bit about some of the habits and activities that can contribute to this kind of pain, um, including sedentary jobs and looking down at your phone all the time. Um, can you tell us anything else, anything else about some of the daily things that we do, or I guess don't do, that can also contribute to this kind of pain? Well, mechanical pain, which I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, usually involves a joint that's not sitting quite right on another one. And again, kind of depends on your work. Let's say you're, you're working on uh, telephone wires or telephone poles. So a lot of your day is spent with your head back and maybe turned and you're looking up for, you know, looking at the problem that they have to fix or climbing, they're always with their head back. So depending on your job, your head may be held in a position that's not normal, but it puts a lot of strain on certain muscles and it can cause some of these imbalances. Again, that someone like, um, myself can can do a little tweaking with and adjusting just so that those joints are sitting in a more balanced position so it depends a lot on what they do um if it's abnormal kind of um, jobs 
Got it. That's interesting that you can sort of tell where someone's back and neck pain is coming from based on the position of their head and the specific job they do and the, the positions they're in a lot. That makes sense. That's uh, very important also in diagnosing pain because the first thing we try to figure out is what kind of pain is this? So we'll say, you know, when did the pain start? What kind of work do you do? You know, just to get a better feeling for, you know, are they working on a computer? Are they tipping their head back? You know, are they lifting heavy things? You know, and usually 80% of the time, you'll know what the problem is before you even touch it. Are there other common kinds of upper back and neck pain that you see a lot or other common causes? Anything that we haven't talked about yet that is, is common in your line of work? Uh, well, um, I see a lot of patients with fibromyalgia as well. Fibromyalgia is, is a condition where you have kind of chronic musculoskeletal tightness kind of pain. And I generally see that if I'm looking at my schedule and I see a 22, 23 year old um, patient with neck pain, it's the first thing I think of as a possibility. Um, these um, patients also have um, tend to be more um, anxiety or obsessive compulsive personality as well. And so I think they hold their, their shoulders up a lot and they, they cause chronic neck pain. And just when I touch their upper back and neck, the muscles are really, really tight. So for the younger people, I see more of this myofascial or mechanical pain. And uh, then probably I'll see people from the ages of 40 to 50, 55 who get herniated discs or discogenic pain. And then again, once we get past about the age of 55, I'll start seeing the older people that have what we call cervical spondylosis, which is a combination of disc degeneration, um, the joint arthritis, uh, maybe some uh, stenosis, narrowing of the, of the um, holes the nerves run through, which can cause pain that radiates down um, either or both arms. So um, the, the age group um, is always um, a hint as well. So you're a little bit of an investigator, kind of figuring it out. Absolutely, this is what I like about it so much. Is that yeah, it's, it's really trying to ask the right questions so that you can determine what it is. And yeah, it seems like basically just to, to confirm in your mind that you're on the right track. Yeah, seems like there are quite a lot of options um, under the umbrella of, of neck pain and upper back pain. You know, I know that sometimes this type of pain can also cause issues in other parts of the body, like tingling and weakness or numbness in your arms and legs. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's going on when that starts to happen and what kind of back issues you might be facing there? Most of the time when I when patients are complaining of tingling, I think they may have an issue that we were just speaking of where they may have some arthritis, some disc bulging, um, which has caused some narrowing of the holes that the nerves run through. And once they reach a critical size so that they're starting to pinch on those nerves, sometimes people will complain more of tingling rather than of shooting pain down their arms. Sometimes it's a prelude to the actual pain. So I'm thinking of that and I, being an osteopathic physician, our ribs um, lift up as we take a deep breath and that includes the first rib. And the first rib is actually the bottom of a triangle that consists of two muscles in our neck and the first rib. And sometimes if that rib is elevated, choking off that triangle, it can also cause some numbness, tingling, heaviness of the arms, that kind of thing. And being an osteopathic physician, I can actually balance that rib, kind of drop that rib, allowing more room in that triangle so that our symptoms can go away. 
Got it. So we hear a lot, you spoke about this a bit at the beginning of our conversation, but we hear a lot from people who say that they just thought pain was a standard part of aging and that there's nothing they can really do about it or that can be done about it. Can you speak a little bit to that mindset and maybe dispel that myth? You know, should we just expect to live with pain as we get older? Or is there help for people who are ex experiencing chronic back and upper neck, uh, upper back and neck pain? Well, like we had mentioned earlier, as people get older and they start losing their strength and their thoracic extensors, they tend to start leaning that head forward, which puts more strain on the, the upper back and in the neck. So if they strengthen those muscles and, and are able to pull those shoulders back, as you pull your shoulders back, you see my head rising back up kind of over my spine in a more um, balanced position. So if these older people can at least do some of these exercises, which don't have to be hard, um, then they can have less of that forward um, drop of the head, which can reduce their strain and reduce their pain. Three quick ones that I give them are called scapular squeezes, where they, they just pinch their shoulder blades together, count to four, kind of relax them, maybe 10 of those. And then I tell them to do push-ups in the corner of a room, hands against the wall, lean forward so that you're past your hands on the wall and come back or through a, a door frame hands on a door frame again push your shoulders past your hands and come back strengthening those upper muscles you can also do superman laying on your belly um, raise one arm in an opposite leg like you're superman flying and then you use the other arm uh, but you're laying on your stomach so that extends that upper back and then helps to strengthen that upper back, pulling the shoulders back, pulling the head back, um, improving that angle of the head over the, the spine. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So some things that you can do on your own to, to kind right. of prevent and manage. But, you know, say that um, you're experiencing back and neck pain, back or neck pain, and you really want to see a doctor to get to the root cause of the issue What's the process there? You know, what sort of questions is the doctor going to ask? What sort of tests might they run to figure out what's going on? Walk us through that process a little bit. Well, like I was saying earlier, I think the history is very important in the diagnosis. So if you can pin down what the problem is, or maybe a couple of problems, you might take the next step for me, which would be getting an x-ray of their neck. Um, I had someone just the other day who I was trying to decide is this disc pain or is this muscle myofascial pain on an x-ray if you're trying to differentiate discogenic pain from myofascial or muscle pain um, on the x-ray the disc spaces will be narrowed if a disc has lost some of its water or jelly giving you an indication there may be some disc changes going on but in, an, in a normal neck there's a lordotic curve a backward curve which is normal. And in people who have very tight muscles, it'll be straight, not bent back. So the person that I was um, looking at had a very straight neck, all the discs were perfect. So that told me that this is not discogenic pain, but rather it's more chronic myofascial muscle pain. So um, we treated them that way for that. Got it. So again, it's sort of that investigation and using different tools, questioning history, as, as well as the testing and, and all of that to diagnose from the many options. Exactly. 
Okay. So, you know, you've, again, spoken a little bit about um, some of the treatment options, including, you know, exercise, physical therapy, some of that manipulation. Speak to us a little bit more about common treatments for upper back and neck pain. Um, You know, some of the the options, pain medication, physical therapy, chiropractic care, et cetera. What can you tell us about what's available to people? Well, we use a lot of physical therapy. So for this particular person, who did have um, issues, she was working on her computer at home. So I sent her to physical therapy for some postural training so they can teach her the correct way of sitting at a computer all day because she works eight hours a day. So I wanted her to learn that. They can also teach her um, other exercises and you know I can add maybe um, some manipulation for a little bit of tweaking. But uh, physical therapy is always um, helpful or more often than not. Um, sometimes we use anti-inflammatories. I don't like to use them on a daily basis because they can certainly affect um, kidneys and uh, irritate stomachs. So I'm not one to have them take um, anti-inflammatories every day. Um, we really stay away from um, opioids anymore um, after the opioid crisis a few years back. Um, another medicine we use a lot is probably what I prescribe the most is some of the uh, membrane stabilizers. There's a couple that are very good at um, nerve pain. Um, all of our nerves have a coating or sheath, and it makes that sheath somewhat tougher so that n- nerve is not easily irritated. So it'll help um, radiating arm pain or leg pain if there's a lower back problem. So yes, physical therapy is big. And uh, again, strengthening exercises, medications if needed. And uh, sometimes if they're not better, then you have to start thinking MRI if you're considering some epidural injections in the neck for a disc or, or nerve impingement or something like that. And so how common is it to need surgery for this kind of pain? We try very hard not to do surgery. Surgery should be a last resort. Um, anytime you do a surgery inside the spinal canal, there's a risk of some scarring inside. And if that scarring should encase a nerve root against the, the wall of the spine, um, our, our nervous system is very fluid and reaching out with one arm can pull all the nerves in one direction. So if you've got one nerve anchored and with any pulling motions, it gets pulled on and it's going to cause pain down that nerve. And once that scarring is there, there's no getting rid of it. You cut scars with surgery and you get worse scars. So we try to make that the very last resort. First, we try physical therapy and medications. Then we might try the the steroid injections. But if they're getting severe pain that won't get better, or if they're starting to get weakness from that nerve being pinched, then you have no choice but to go in and free it up. Got it. So we've spoken a little bit about some of the things that you can do at home, including those exercises and kind of working on your posture, the way that you sit, if you work at a desk a lot, anything else that you can do at home on your own to help with back and neck pain? You know, what about ice packs, heating pads? Do those do anything for kind of minor pain? For acute pain or like acute muscle spasm, um, ice generally is better than heat. Um, The first five to 10 days, I tell people to apply ice 20 minutes every two hours. Uh, Ice is also good for nerve pain. If people are telling me they're having pain shooting down an arm, it can be um, an additional treatment for the nerve pain. Heat is better for some chronic um, problems, like we mentioned fibromyalgia. That's one of those 
problems where they have muscle tightness for years. So this is a very chronic problem. So they like to take a nice hot shower or a hot bath first thing in the day just to kind of get them going. So that will certainly help. And of course, um, it doesn't cause so much in the way of neck pain, but aerobic exercise is, is always good for our bone strength. And of course, we can get compression factors, typically not in the neck, more in the lower back. But it's important to have a strong, strong bones as well. And that also means taking the right amount of vitamin D and calcium. And an average person, about 1,000 milligrams of calcium and 600 milligrams of vitamin D a day, especially in Cleveland, because we can't make any during our winter times because we, see, we don't see the sun very much. Right. So, yeah, so it's important to take those supplements as well. What about um, massage therapy, acupuncture, or even those sort of percussive technology, you know, those sort of massage guns that you can buy at home? Do, can things like that help? Well, acutherapy has been around for, or acupuncture, I should say, has been around since 3,000 years, give or take. So obviously, it's been around that long. It's got to work, and it does work. Um, but it, it works by inhibiting the pain message from, from reaching the brain um, and so it's not that it's taken the cause of pain away, it just takes the pain away. And that's not long lasting. It might last a week or two. Um, so in people with chronic pain, it's a great adjunct to do maybe once or twice a month, but it's not going to fix the pain. Um, as far as the vibration, um, I'm not a huge fan of vibration. Um, we used to recommend TENS units as well. TENS units used to be uh, introduce an electric um, stimulation of the nerves um, and that can kind of um, uh, confuse the body or, or not allow the message to reach the brain, kind of like acupuncture. So they'd have less pain, but a lot of people feel irritated just by the electric stimulation. So, you know, it's not effective for them. Uh, vibration can help, but, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I haven't used that a lot. Um, but I'd say to people, if you want to try it, go ahead and try it. If it helps, great. If it doesn't, well, don't buy it. My husband just bought me one of those massage guns for our anniversary. Oh, so. <laughs> uh, so for people who are fortunate enough to not yet be dealing with upper back or neck pain, uh, you know, you've spoken a bit about prevention, anything else that they can do to ensure that they stay that way, that they don't start to experience this kind of pain. You know, anything else about uh, working on our posture at home or just anything in general that you can tell us about kind of keeping it from happening in the first place? Well, the physical therapist will say posture means everything. I've never seen a physical therapist who wasn't standing with excellent posture. So it's standing with good posture, but especially these days for the neck, it's going to be working on their computer. Again, so many people will be leaning forward on a computer and they're not supposed to. You're supposed to have your back against the back of the chair, maybe even a little pillow behind your back elbows at 90 degrees, knees at 90 degrees, planted firmly, and your, your computer screen is supposed to be even with your eyes. But again, with laptops, they can't be that way, so that's almost impossible to do that. So the laptops um, probably aren't the best method of, of doing homework on, on your computer. It's, I'm like trying to adjust my posture as we're talking. It's, right, right. It gets tough, it's kind of tough. It's very important, yes. So what about standing desks? Are those, you know, can those help kind of varying the way that you they, they, get or stand? They're more meant for, for lower back than neck pain. 
I imagine they could help neck pain as well, but uh, they're more meant for back, lower backs, because a lot of people with disc problems have pain even just sitting. Even if you're sitting in a proper alignment, they still have pain. So they have to stand, put their back in extension, and, and they can do better. So it's really more meant for back uh, pain. Got it. Dr. Wilson, is there anything that we haven't discussed today on this topic that you think is important for our listeners to hear? Well, I think what it comes down to is we, you know, we, we have to eat right. You know, we have to get our, our calcium and our vitamin D. We have to keep our core strong and uh, maybe some aerobic exercise just for the bone strength as well. And we need to try to live a healthy life. Um, smoking, absolutely horrible because it's also bad for discs in the neck and in the lower back. So yes, um, it's also important to, to get their, their exercise for, for bone health and for, to try to keep their core strength because with a good core strength and good posture, we put less of that forward bend into our, into our upper body and necks, which is going to take the stress off that area. Um, better for your discs, better for, for everything in your upper back and neck. And uh, of course, get your calcium and vitamin D for, for bone strength. So it sounds like as with so many other topics related to our health, an ounce of prevention can really go a long way. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I, I don't know where I heard this, but um, it was, uh, we stay healthy until we're about 20, but after age 20, we have to work for our health. And I really think that's true. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Wilson, for being here with us today and for speaking with us on this important topic. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. To all of our listeners, to learn more about back and neck pain care from Cleveland Clinic, please visit clevelandclinic.org spine. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest health tips, news, and information.